What is up, everybody? It's JT Sports Match, you guys, with another video. In this video, I'm here with my guy, Logan, part of the Men's Cave Sports Talk podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Logan's going to be on here giving us his five reasons why the Pittsburgh Steelers will be able to beat the Baltimore Ravens now. For those of you guys who haven't checked out my previous video, I already did one with my guy, Joe Nubapart, the NF Ravens podcast, where he was on here explaining his five reasons why the Ravens will beat the Steelers. Have a Steelers guy on here giving his five reasons why the Steelers will defeat the Baltimore Ravens. So, Logan, how's it going today, man? Man, I'm so I'm doing so well. I'm so honored to be here. I appreciate that you asked me to do this. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad to have you on here, man. So let the people know before we begin where they can find your content at. Yeah, man, so it's the Man Cave Sports Talk podcast. You can find me on anywhere you can find your podcast. Um, anywhere you're listening to this right now, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much any platform. Um, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at Logan D. Lorenzo, the Man Cave Sports Talk podcast as well. So, five reasons why the Pittsburgh Steelers would defeat the Baltimore Ravens. So, when you look at the Steelers, the Steelers defeated the Tennessee Titans 27-24 last week. And it was kind of like a mixed bag, okay? Us as Steelers fans, we were okay to get the win. But when you take a deeper dive into it, the Steelers kind of fell apart in the second half of that game. The first half looks like the Steelers going to run away with it. Then Tennessee climbed back. So, I mean, going into this game, what are the – reasons on offense of why the Steelers would be able to pull off the victory against the Baltimore Ravens because the Steelers are surprisingly a three and a half point underdog heading into this game which is really surprising me so I mean what offensively do the Pittsburgh Steelers need to do to win this game so I'll be honest I was surprised when I saw that as well um offensively I think it starts up front Right. Whenever you look at the, the Steelers and the Titans game, especially early on, we've talked about this several times. Yeah. Winning the game starts with the battle of the trenches. Yeah. So for me, this starts up front with our offensive line. So I think when you look at only allowing eight sacks of Ben Roethlisberger so far this season, it's been outstanding as far as pass protection is concerned. We've had a hundred yards rusher three out of the last five games. James Conner actually outrushed Derrick Henry last week. So when you, when you start talking about our offense, I think it starts up front with the five big guys, the bigs, as Mike Tomlin likes to call them. And that's really where, as long as they're rolling, our offense is rolling. A lot of times we will, you know, branch off of that run game and use some short passing game that is also like just a little, a little branch off of our run game. It's still kind of considered a run in our offensive, our offensive philosophy. So I think for me, it definitely starts up front with our, with our offensive line, getting some movement, getting some protection for Big Ben, and mi minimizing the sacks like they've done all year. Yeah, man. And up to this point, I believe this is pretty much the best defensive line that the Steelers are going to face all this season. They faced a pretty good one last week with Tennessee. They got the better of them for the majority of that game. Now, Baltimore, their defensive line was already good. You had Calais, you had um, – Matthew Judon. Now they just recently trade for Yankee Gakwe in a trade with the Minnesota Vikings. And Yankee Gakwe has been having a pretty good season with the Vikings. I'm really surprised that they decided to trade him. So now you add him to the fold. And the Ravens 
are fifth in the NFL in sacks per game, which is a little bit of a coincidence because the Steelers off the line happens to be fifth in the NFL in sacks per game allowed, allowing the fifth lead sacks in the NFL. So I really think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think for Big Ben, like as a Steelers fan, I like Big Ben better when he's getting the ball out quick because like when you give Big Ben, it seems like too much time in the pocket he gets a little bit too, at times, like, he just got to take a risk, man. And this is the most efficient season yep. that Big Ben has had in pretty much his whole entire NFL career when it comes to limiting the turnovers. But last week, like we saw, you know, if there is tight man-to-man coverage or just a tight window that Big Ben has to throw the football into, he does have the arm strength to get there. It's just that decision-making just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like last week, he threw the ball to Judas Smith-Schuster in the end zone, despite the fact that the whole Tennessee Times defense was there, and it got intercepted. So what is the second reason why the Steelers would defeat the Baltimore Ravens? So let, let me talk about that for a second, too, because at that time, I've heard a lot about this play. At that time of the game, here's why, for me, I don't mind him taking that shot. When you see that matchup, Juju on a linebacker, I totally understand that you want to go for the kill, and you, and you, you, want, you want to take that shot in the end zone. If we score a touchdown right there, that game's out of reach, and me and you aren't sitting on the edge of our seats waiting mm-hmm. for, them to kick that, you know, for them to kick that last field goal. Yeah. Um, so, but of, of my five, switch, switching gears, of my five – that was the only one I had on the offensive side of the ball. I think when you, when we get that short passing game going, our offensive line is stout. When we get the run game going and James Connor, we bring Chase Claypool in that motion at, during the snap, not before the snap, during the snap. And it really pauses those linebackers, which is what's allowing mm-hmm. us, giving, giving us the time to have so much success, especially in the run game. So I think when you do that, you do a number of things. Not only do you give up, give our offensive sec- success, but you do something else and you keep Lamar Jackson on the sideline. Mm-hmm. We really saw last week early on how that really paid dividends for the Steelers was keeping Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill on the sidelines, especially in the first half. So if we can do that again here and, and really limit them, that's all I've really had on the offense. If I can give you my second point, it is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Is that okay? Yeah, man. All right, perfect. So the defensive side of the ball, it also starts up front for me, the Steelers' front seven. Um, I think we proved last year when we didn't have Big Ben that we can stop this Baltimore Ravens offense. Um, I think we, you know, Lamar threw a, a career high of three interceptions in that game, and we didn't even have our starting quarterback in Ben. And that ties into what I, my point that I just made was with keeping them off the field. So whenever you have a fresh defense finally – who can come in and make plays. And it all starts up front with the, with the front seven, obviously being, you know, very high in the league in sacks again with TJ and Bud on the outsides. When you have an interior with Cam and, and to it, who can also get after the passer. I really think that when we apply pressure, we're going to be able to stop this run game and that's going to force Lamar Jackson to be kind of like what we did to the Cleveland Browns a few weeks ago and kind of force Baker Mayfield to throw the ball and beat us that way. I see a very similar approach from our defense in this game. Focus on shutting down that run game, minimizing that run game, um, and then forcing Lamar to be one-dimensional and forcing him to throw the ball. I think the thing with that, and this is what I was talking about in my preview. Now, we as still fans believe that we can stop this run game in Baltimore because we stopped Cleveland, we stopped Tennessee. Those are two of the best running teams in the NFL. 
Well, here's where my concern with that lies. So the Ravens are the toughest running football team that we've gone to face this whole entire season because not only do you have to stop these halfbacks with um, Mark Ingram, who is kind of banked up, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, you have to stop Lamar Jackson. And that's really difficult for a defense to do because a lot of people say that Kansas City um, shut down the Ravens running game. That wasn't really necessarily true. Like they shut it down because they were up by so big and Baltimore just completely abandoned the run. But Baltimore is still averaging like over seven and a half yards per carry. So for the Steelers, I think the game plan may be similar, but I think the assignments are kind of going to be a little bit different because I think mm-hmm. T.J. Watt is predominantly going to have to stay out there on the edge. Sometimes we like to move him around a little bit. I think we're just going to have to keep him on the edge. And I do think that the reason why this game will be a little bit more difficult to stop this rushing tag with Lamar Jackson is the fact that we don't have Devin Bush. Now, albeit Devin Bush replacement, I can't remember his name right now, has played incredibly well. I mean, he got a big tackle on the goal line last week against Derrick Henry but I mean I think Devin Bush not playing this game is going to have a really big impact because when you look at the speed of Lamar Jackson being able to get out there to the edge I'm not questioning TJ Watt's ability it's just that sometimes Lamar Jackson is going to have those plays that he just goes ahead and he does bring contain but I do like those first two keys that you talked about especially in the running game Baltimore's um, their linebackers, Patrick Queen, he's been pretty okay, but he has had some inconsistent games like we saw against Kansas City. He really struggled in that game. So, I mean, for Pittsburgh, you're looking at a Ravens team that's averaging uh, – we're allowing opposing teams to run for 5.6 yards per carry every time they run the football. So that is most definitely a matchup that um, the Steelers can exploit. So what is your third reason of why the Steelers will be able to win this game? Yeah, and I absolutely agree with all uh, with everything you just said, especially in the run game with Lamar, because when you're running, when you're trying to stop a run game traditionally, you do not have to, you traditionally don't have to account for the for the quarterback. So it's kind of uh, your 11 players on defense versus their 10 players on offense now. And whenever you have to account for that, that quarterback, it now becomes 11 on 11, which definitely makes it a little bit more strenuous on us. Um, Robert Spillane was the one who put the Mac down on Derrick Henry on the goal line that hit. Um, so my third point is going to be the Steelers special teams. Um, when you look at what we did last week against Tennessee with Ray Ray McLeod in the return game, giving us life, he is crazy stats. He has 18 yards per return um, in the punt game. He's had two of 50 yards or more. He almost broke two two of those returns so far this year. He, he was down to the last guy and he just got caught. So I fully expect him to have another big game in the return game. And what's been surprising for me is traditionally our kick coverage team has not been very good. It's been pretty suspect. We are, you know, notorious for giving up a huge return, especially against the Ravens. I, you know, it used to have nightmares of whenever Tomlin, you know, came onto the field oh, that time and Jacoby stuck his leg out. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our kick coverage has not traditionally been good. This year, I think you've really seen a focus in that. You've seen us be able to have Boswell kick the ball high in the air and drop it inside the five-yard line, which is giving our kick coverage team enough time to get down there and make a tackle. The Titans ended up bobbling one of those last week that we ended up pinning them back on the 10-yard line, and that ended up being big for us in the second half. So when you look at this Steelers um, special teams unit, we're getting it done in all three phases, but especially that special teams unit, man. I've been extremely impressed. 
Boz has only missed one extra point and he's been perfect on field goals. So we finally have, you know, Boz playing at a high level again where he can kind of compete with Justin Tucker. And this return game, I'm super excited about Ray Ray McLeod. It lets Deontay Johnson take a break and not have to do that. Uh, that's just one thing that it takes off of his plate and lets him focus on being a receiver. And I just think I just love the special teams, especially in this game, man. Yeah, man, I agree with that. I think that's a pretty big one. And when you look at the way these Steelers and um, Ravens games always play out, they're not really necessarily always high scoring. Majority of the time, they're pretty low scoring. And the majority of the time, you know, those games most definitely come down to field position, especially in a robbery like this. And I do feel like the Steelers kind of have the advantage in the special teams department, aside from kicking, because we already know how great Justin Tucker is. But, um, I mean, yeah, I do think that special teams is a big reason why Pittsburgh can win this game. I mean, the Steelers special teams has been playing pretty lights out so far this season. So what's your last two reasons of why the Steelers should be able to win this game against the Baltimore Ravens? So my last two, my first one of the two, tied into the Steelers' offensive game plan again. Um, I kind of made those two points early on, but those were two separate for me. So definitely the, the Steelers' offensive game plan. I think we're going to be able to help our defense out by keeping Lamar on the sideline like we did in Tennessee. So just that point there. Um, and then my last point, my fifth one, uh, was the Steelers' secondary. I think outside of Hollywood Brown, there's, you know, mm -hmm. Andrews scares me a little bit. But outside of Hollywood Brown, none of these Ravens receivers – really scare me that much. I think we do have the ability to line up with these guys and man up with them. And I, I like a bounce back game from Minka coming off the, the Browns game and having his first interception, and especially when he returned it for a touchdown. I was kind of surprised that he played the way he did last week in Tennessee, especially in the second half. He had a big holding call on fourth and one in the end zone that allowed them to score another touchdown. So I fully expect him to bounce back big. Um, I really like the way that Edmonds has been playing. You haven't heard too much about him this year. Usually Steelers fans are all over him. And I just love the, the crickets that I've been hearing because he's been playing really well. He's coming up and supporting the run well. He tackles well. And he hasn't been a liability in coverage. So yeah, I also like the fact... I'm, I'm normally one that's always calling for Terrell Edmonds saying, oh, man, he's a bust, he's a bust, he's a bust. Should have got somebody else. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, so, so right there, you know, there, there you go. He's, he's been playing well. You can't deny that. I'd still like to see him make a few more plays on the ball. Um, but, but other than that, there's not too much more I can complain about, especially this year. Um, and then when you look at the fact of Mike Hilton uh, going to practice tomorrow, if he can come back and Mike Hilton can get back out there, I really love what he can do in, in the run game, uh, coming off the edge as a blitzer. And Mike Hilton was one of the ones who was able to drop back in zone and confuse Lamar with, with disguising his coverage so mm -hmm. well. And he ended up intercepting him last yep. year. So I love getting Mike Hilton back. I think Cam Sutton played great in his place. So if we do end up uh, playing a little bit of dime in this game, I feel super confident in Cam Sutton coming in. Um, but I, I love the matchup for our secondary this week. I don't like, you know, Mouse Boykin hasn't been that great. Mm -hmm. And outside of Hollywood Brown, none of those receivers truly scare me. Yeah, man. I, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I think Pittsburgh can win this game. Pittsburgh stops the run. This defense is equipped to, you know, just destroy this Ravens offense if they cannot run the football. Because the Ravens are 27th in the NFL in sacks per game allowed. 
last year they only allowed 23 sacks in 16 games. This year, in six games that they played so far, they've allowed 15. And you look at how well our defensive line has played this year. We're the best defensive line in the NFL when it comes to being able to get pressure on the quarterback. And the Ravens off the line hasn't been great. And they are throwing for less than 200 yards per game through the air. So I really think that this is a matchup that if the Ravens cannot get the run game going and they have to throw the football to win this game, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And a lot of Ravens fans in my preview and prediction video agree with me. I said, like, I said, I said like this, I said, look, the Ravens are not a balanced football team. If the, if the run game's not going, they have to throw the football on Pittsburgh to win. They're not going to be able to do it. Now you got Mark Andrews. Okay. He scares me because Devin Bush isn't there, but I mean, if Minka Fitzpatrick can just play center field, like he's been so good at doing for the most part of his stiller career, and we can keep Hollywood Brown from having those big plays in the passing game, and we just completely shut down the Baltimore Ravens' rushing attack, this could be a long afternoon for Baltimore, man. So I agree with the keys that you said, man. Logan, I appreciate you for coming on. Before we let you go, letting people know where they can find your podcast at one more time. JT, I appreciate you, bro. This has been so much fun. Um, I do like the Steelers to get this one done. Uh, I think in a combination of all those things, what you just said there, um, I was really surprised real quick on the tight end thing. I was really surprised how well we were able to handle uh, John U. Smith last mm -hmm. week from the Titans. So that is one, one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence going into this game um, with Andrews. But absolutely, you guys can find me on any podcasting platform. Uh, at the Man Cave Sports Talk podcast, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, anywhere you're listening or watching to the, watching this right now, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at Logan DiLorenzo, the Man Cave Sports Talk podcast. Thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. We appreciate you for coming on, man. All right, everybody, what is up? It is JT Sports. I have a special guest on. We have my guy Joe Nubo with the Enough Podcast. Joe Nubo, man, thank you for coming on, man. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, JT. I'm excited, man. You already know what Sunday is. It's Steelers week, so so we know what's going on. We know what's going on. Yeah. So um, before we begin, can you tell the people where they can find you at? Sure thing. Yeah, so if you search up Joe Nubo, you should be able to find my YouTube channel that way. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, same name. Uh, or if you search up NF Podcast Live, you should be able to find my stuff. I have an audio version of the podcast. I'm also on Sportscaster and, of course, a part of the Fan to Fan Network that we are both on. So, yeah, that's where you can find my stuff. Just search up Joe Nubo. That's N-O-O-B-O. And make sure that you guys check out the Fan to Fan Network. Me and Joe Nubo are always on there every Sunday breaking down the games. So make sure you guys are able to catch us there. That's going to be linked down in the description down below. So, Joe, man, I brought you on here because I wanted to ask you, what are five reasons why the Baltimore Ravens will beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? Now, we already know that you guys have had a couple of issues on the offense side of the football. You've been heavily critical of the Ravens offense on Twitter. You've received a lot of backlash from your fellow Ravens comrades out there, which is really surprising. So, I mean – what are the couple of things that the Ravens have to do offensively to beat Pittsburgh? All right. So I would say offensively, man, we just need to do what works. We know what works. The coaching staff knows what works. Greg Roman, especially. Um, a lot of what's been going on with our offense, I feel, is that we're being very experimental. 
it feels to me like we're being very experimental. And part of that is because, you know, we've seen what happens when we go up against the competition, like in the playoffs and the chiefs and all that, that our passing game suffers. So I do feel like a lot of what we're doing on offense is we're just trying to work out the kinks in the passing game. We're passing a lot more. We're going to see what Lamar likes to do. We want to see which receivers are able to get open and, uh, it hasn't been working out that well. So, I mean, part, partly I think is because we're being very experimental. But the thing about this offense is that when we know we need to score, that's when you see Greg Roman start calling read options. That's when you start seeing RPOs. So we know it works and we just have to do it. So that's really all it is, in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's really nothing going on, like, personnel-wise. Um, I mean, obviously, you saw we, saw we signed Des Bryant. I'm not really expecting too much out of him, to be honest. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but, yeah, we just got to do what we do. And uh, that's that's really what it's all about on offense there. So so would you agree and say that the first reason why the Ravens will beat the Steelers is because of the fact that the Steelers have been really good against the run, but they haven't faced a running team like Lamar Jackson. I was saying this in my preview. I said, look. As a Steeler fan, it's easy for me to say that oh, we're going to beat Baltimore because we stopped two of the best running teams in the NFL. We beat Tennessee. Okay, we, we stopped Derrick Henry from hitting 100 yards. We shut down Cleveland, who still has one of the best rushing attacks. But the difference between Cleveland, Tennessee, and Baltimore is that neither one of those teams have a dual-threat quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And like I was saying, that when you try to stop this Ravens rushing attack, you have to be able to stop Lamar Jackson as well. You're not just game planning to try to stop just these run backs running downhill. You're also game planning to stop Lamar. So would you say the biggest thing that Baltimore has to do is get that run game going? Because, you know, the passing game has been a little bit shaky. The offensive line has gave up 15 sacks throughout um, six games so far, which you guys only allowed 23 sacks in like a complete season last year. So would you say that the run game definitely has to get going? And if you guys can get that, that's one reason why you guys will win this game. Yeah, I, I would say that has to be the key, but also we just can't turn the ball over plain and simple because if we make mistakes, you know, the Steelers are going to be taking advantage of that. They'll love the short field. Big, big Ben will take advantage of that. So I would probably say the main key would be not to turn the football over. Just don't make mistakes. Penalties have to be at, at an all-time low because last week against the Eagles, we were just undisciplined, bro. Like, it was crazy to watch. It's like penalty after penalty after penalty. Um, can't do that against the Steelers. So, But as for the running game, listen, I'm not expecting a huge game uh, or a huge day for our running backs for Lamar necessarily because the Steelers obviously probably the best run defense in the NFL right now. So, and Mark Ingram, as far as I know, little banged up. He's expected to come back, uh, but he hasn't really been contributing that much this season. I think that probably he's still a little bit shaken up from last year, I would imagine. Um, Gus, if we can get him going, that would be great. You know, he's that north-south power running back. And uh, J.K. Dobbins has come in every now and again. He's really fast. He's really has everything that it takes to be like a three-down back for us, but the coaching staff is just very much into uh, not pretty much not giving opportunities to the rookies early on. Um, so, yeah, I would say if we can get the running game going, oh, it's, it's not going to be good for the Steelers. They should not, they should be playing to stop the run still, even though it hasn't been as potent as it was last year, I would definitely still say uh, to, uh, 
to, to be concerned about the running game, be concerned for the read options and RPOs and all that for sure. So I think we've already, I think that's like two or three reasons. So two more reasons. Let's focus more on the defense side of the football. So we know that Baltimore, their defense is just as good, if not better than Pittsburgh's. I pretty much would like to, I wouldn't, I think they're pretty much evenly matched, but I would go on a limb and say that Baltimore's defense is just a tad bit better than Pittsburgh's because Pittsburgh is going to be missing Devin Bush and you guys are pretty much fully healthy. So if Devin Bush was playing, then I think you guys would be evenly matched. And these defensive lines are pretty good too, especially with the addition of Yonke Gakwe. And when you look mm-hmm. at the Steelers offense, okay, we know with the Steelers that they are really good on third down. So for Baltimore to win this game, other than getting off the field on third down, because I feel like that's too cliche to say, what are two yeah. other things, two other reasons that the Baltimore Ravens defense will be able to win this game for them and be able to stop the Steelers offense? Yeah, so something to look out for. While the Ravens defense is pretty much fully healthy, we are dealing a little bit with uh, some cornerback injuries, some CB injuries there. Uh, Anthony Averett, who's like our fourth stringer, he's going to be out for six weeks. Uh, Tavon Young, our starting nickel slot corner, he's out for the season. So we, I mean, obviously we still have guys like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith. So I'm obviously not too concerned about that. But if the Steelers go like five wide, which I'm assuming they will, spread offense, that could potentially be trouble. And sorry if you hear in the background, people are mowing their lawns right now. They just decide to mow their lawns every time I stream. Uh, No, but so, yeah, I would definitely say to look out for that. One thing I want to see from this defense is to get Ben uncomfortable because quite frankly, I don't think Ben has been that uncomfortable this season. He's only been sacked, I believe eight times, right? So yeah. So, and what, what the Steelers want to do right now, they want to hit you with that quick strike, right? That one read, dump it off immediately, get rid of the ball, get it in the receiver's hands, right? We cannot allow Ben to do that because if you just allow him to just make pre-snap reads, diagnose everything that's going on, and then just get get rid of the ball that quick, oh, it's not going to be a pretty day for the Ravens' defense. Um, we need to make him uncomfortable. We need to be getting in his face. We need to be, you know, clogging up passing lanes. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, aside from that, the thing that I, I know a lot of people are going to look back to the Chiefs game where Patrick Mahomes absolutely just tore us up. But the reason he was tearing us up is because he's able to roll out of the pocket, extend those plays, which Ben has some of that, but I just, it's definitely not to the level that Mahomes has. So yeah, that's, that's, that's probably what I would be looking out for, for sure. Yeah, man. I would say, I would like to add one more thing. So the thing with Ben Rosberg is that if you are a Ravens fan, if you're able to clog up those pass lanes and you're able to play tight, you know, coverage, like maybe you can play some tight zone coverage on some tight man-to-man coverage and force Big Ben to, you know, just go ahead and thread the needle because Big Ben has still has that gunslinger mentality. Now, although this is pretty much his most efficient season that he's ever played in his entire career in terms of taking care of the football, like we saw last week against Tennessee when he tried to force that pass to Judas Smith-Schuster with like nearly the whole entire Tennessee Titans defense there, he will force yeah. passes you know, every once in a while. So if you're a Baltimore and you're a Ravens fan and you're able to play some tight man-to-man coverage and force Big Ben to, you know, kind of have to thread the needle into some tight spaces, I think you have to be feeling really good about your chances, man. So Joe Nubo, man, long-time friend of mine, on YouTube, known him for going on about two years now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad to have you on, man. 
uh, once again, letting people know they can find you before we let you go, man. And we appreciate you for coming on. Of course, JT. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, I'm always, always willing to be a part of your channel, man. No doubt. Uh, yeah. So once again, Joe Nubo, you can search me up on YouTube, probably on Google as well. You can find my Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Audio version of the podcast, NF Podcast Live. It is mostly Ravens, but I welcome every fan of every team. You're welcome there to watch, to, to listen. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. But I'm excited, obviously. And uh, we just got to go out there and be the better team. That's really what it's all about. It's going to be an AFC North battle. All right, man. We appreciate you coming on, man. Take care. Thursday night football, we have the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers in a NFC South Divisional Clash. For the Carolina Panthers, they lost to the New Orleans Saints last week, 27-24. And the Panthers played a pretty good game. They got down early. They were able to fight back. But they lost because in the fourth quarter, they simply weren't able to get anything going. Now, for the Atlanta Falcons, they lost to the Detroit Lions 23-22. And a lot of people are putting that blame on Todd Gurley, which is understandable because if Todd Gurley never scored that touchdown, all Atlanta really had to do was to the rest of the remaining time left on the clock, Detroit would have never got the ball back. Atlanta could have just went ahead and won the game. But let me allow me to defend Todd Gurley for a second, okay? I know a lot of Falcons fans are upset with how the season has went so far. I know a lot of Falcons fans are upset because that's a game that you should have won. And if Todd Gurley never scores that touchdown, he just falls. The clock keeps ticking. Atlanta can just go ahead and win the game. But when you're Todd Gurley, you have to understand something. It is really hard to go against your instincts in that situation. Think about it. For all the years that Todd Gurley has been playing football, his mind has always been trained to go ahead and score the touchdown no matter what. So when you're in a situation like that, which requires you to go against your instincts, something that you've been basically taught all your years playing football, and instead of scoring the touchdown, you just have to fall and, you know, let the time remain or let the time keep ticking. So, I mean, for Todd Gurley, man, I mean, his mind was saying one thing, his body was doing the other thing. And you can tell because he was kind of hesitant to score the touchdown. He didn't really know what to do in the situation. So, I mean, I know a lot of Falcons fans are upset with how Todd Gurley went about that situation. Instead of, you know, not scoring the touchdown, he decided to go ahead and score it. And that ended up giving the Detroit Lions uh, one last drive left. And I mean, listen, you can blame Todd Gurley all you want to, but, I mean, the defense is what lost the game. I mean, how do you allow Detroit in a few plays to march down the field and win the game? So, I mean, the Falcons' defense deserves a lot of blame for that loss. But, I mean, I understand if a lot of people want to blame Todd Gurley. I'm not faulting anybody. If you want to give Todd Gurley the blame, albeit. And I'm not going to blame anybody because, at the end of the day, Todd Gurley has to have more situational awareness in that situation. So... The Panthers, they couldn't get off the field on third down. Their third down defense was absolutely terrible. The Saints were 12 or 14 on third down. So the Saints, with their ability to do whatever they wanted to do, with the Carolina Panthers struggling to get off the field on defense, the Saints controlled the majority of that game. The Saints had the ball for 34 minutes in that game. Carolina only had the ball for 25. So the Carolina Panthers lost the time possession battle, which was a large reason why they lost that game. And 
this just isn't the first coincidence of the Carolina Panthers defense struggling to get off the field on third down. This is something that the Panthers have struggled with all year. Um, They have one of the worst third down defenses in all the NFL. They're basically last in the NFL. They're 31st and third down conversion percentage. Their opponents convert on third down 56% of the time. So, I mean... You can't really expect to win a lot of games if you can't get off the field on third down. And we saw that last week against the Saints. They couldn't get off the field on third down. The Saints were able to convert, keep the drive alive, and that's why the time possession battle was so one-sided in the Saints' favor. So for the Falcons, Raheem Morris is going into his third game as the interim head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And I like what I've seen out of Raheem um, Morris so far. But one thing that Atlanta still has to be able to do that they haven't really done all that well since Raheem Morris has took over is being able to finish games. That was a big reason why they fired Dan Quinn because this Falcons team didn't know how to finish. And under Raheem Morris last week against that loss to the Detroit Lions, that's just another example of this Falcons team not being able to finish off opponents, not being able to finish games. So, I mean, you can blame Todd Gurley, you can blame the defense all you want to, but I mean, at the end of the day, Atlanta still can't finish games. Atlanta is 12th in the NFL when it comes to being able to convert on third down. They convert on third down a pretty good amount of the time. And that is going to be a big concern if you are a Carolina Panthers fan because you're looking at a defense that can't get off the field on third down. And the question has to remain in your head is, why is Carolina so bad on third down? Well, go back and look at the stats. Carolina is pretty much dead last in the NFL when it comes to being able to get pressure on the quarterback. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback... You're not going to be able to get off the field on third down the majority of the time because the majority of the time on third down, if you're in like a third and long situation, teams are most likely going to throw the ball in that situation. So if you can't get pressure on the quarterback in third down, then you're going to put your defense at a disadvantage because now you're going to have to force your secondary to play even better. So, I mean, I just think that it's really hard to get off the field on third down if you don't have really good pass rush. The majority of the time, the teams that have the best third down defenses in the NFL – they most likely have a pretty good pass rush, and the Carolina Panthers haven't really been able to find that so far this season. Now, Chris McCaffrey, he was taken off IR a couple of days ago, and he's pretty much a 50-50 shot to play in this game. Now, even if he does play in this game, the reports are coming out that Mike Davis is still going to get a pretty good amount of the workload. I don't think they're going to rush Chris McCaffrey back into this game, which I agree with that decision. Like, you just can't expect Chris McCaffrey to come back and just give him the full workload. Like, you have to ease guys back into the flow of the game. So, Chris McCaffrey... Don't really know what his status is going into his game. As of right now, he's pretty much a toss-up to play in this game. It's 50-50. You could flip a coin. And the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, how's their secondary going to perform in this game? Because Carolina's passing attack has been really good this season with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. And for Atlanta, I question and I'm concerned if Atlanta is going to be able to stop the big plays in the passing game. Because they played a pretty good game last week against Detroit, but when it mattered the most, they just couldn't get those um, big stops and they couldn't stop um, Kenny Galladay. And Detroit was able to go down the field and win the game. So, I mean, for Atlanta's secondary, how are they going to perform against Carolina's wide receiver position? Okay, 
And if you're a Falcons fan, I don't really think that you have a lot of confidence in your secondary. Although your defense in your secondary has improved ever since Raheem Morris took over as the interim head coach, the secondary still has been the Achilles heel of this defense. So if you're Carolina, this is a favorable matchup that you should be able to exploit going against Atlanta Falcons secondary that's banged up and really isn't all that good. So the team I'm taking to win this game, I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers to win this game. The Carolina Panthers are favored to win this game by two and a half points. And the reason why I'm going to take Carolina to win this game is for the fact that I don't trust Atlanta's defense. Now, Carolina's defense, I don't trust their defense, neither because their defense isn't able to get off the field on third down. But I feel like Carolina can force maybe a turnover or two in this game. And I don't really believe that Atlanta's defense is going to be able to stop Carolina's passing attack. So give me the Panthers to win this game. 27 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Panthers to get the victory on Thursday night. Let's move on to the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills are going to be taking on the New England Patriots. And this is one of the most important games being played this week in the NFL. Both of these two teams are heading in the wrong direction. And at this point of the NFL season, we're basically at the midway point. Teams are supposed to be peaking. Teams are supposed to be hitting their strides. And the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots aren't hitting their strides. And they're not peaking. They're actually trending down. For the Patriots, they got stumped by the 49ers 33-6. They head into this game on a three-game losing streak. And for the Buffalo Bills, they barely squeaked past New York Jets. They only won that game 18-10. I was not impressed by their performance. And for the Buffalo Bills, I haven't been impressed with what I've seen out of the Bills over the last three weeks. Over the last three weeks, the Buffalo Bills went from a team that was a legitimate Super Bowl contender to a team that is pretty much going to be a one-and-done team once they get into the playoffs. And the Buffalo Bills offense has not looked good over the last three weeks. Over the last three weeks, the Buffalo Bills have averaged 17 points per game. And that is really disappointing when you consider how this Buffalo Bills team started their season off. For the first four weeks of the season, the Buffalo Bills looked like they could have the best offense or one of the best offenses in the NFL. Then you play Kansas City, you struggle in that game, then you struggle against Tennessee, then you struggle against the New York Jets, a team that remind you that the Denver Broncos with a third-string quarterback put up more points than you with a third-string quarterback. Remind you, Denver had a third-string quarterback in Brett Rippon, and their offense performed way better than what Buffalo's offense did this past Sunday against the New York Jets. So neither one of these teams looks really good right now. Both of these two teams, you should be really concerned if you're a fan of either one of these two teams. And for the Patriots, man, the Patriots don't look like the team that we've seen for the last couple of years. And I understand that Tom Brady is no longer there, but they still have the same problems they had when Tom Brady was there last year. They don't have any reliable weapons in the passing game. These wide receivers can't really create separation. And your best wide receiver is Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman is a solid player, don't get me wrong. But he's basically 34 years old. And if Julian Edelman is your best wide receiver on your team, you have a problem. And another problem is that the New England Patriots are killing themselves. Cam Newton in his last two games has had five turnovers. He had two against Denver, and he threw three interceptions against the San Francisco 49ers. And I understand that Cam Newton is still trying to get back into rhythm because he missed a couple of weeks with the beer bug virus. But, I mean, he has played poorly. And he said it. He said in a little post-game um, press conference that he has to play better or he's going to end up having a permanent spot on the bench. You're doggone right he is. 
And for Bill Belichick and his New England Patriots coaching staff, Cam Newton's pretty much their best hope. Because Jared Stidham, I don't really think he's going to do any better than what Cam Newton can do. And for the Buffalo Bills, I mean, you have spent a lot of time in the offseason investing up front on both sides of football. You spent a lot of time this past offseason improving the offensive line and improving the defensive line, and neither one of those looks really good right now. The Buffalo Bills cannot run the football, and their defensive line, for me to be nice, because it's an explicit word I could use to describe their defensive line, but their defensive line has been soft. In the last three games, the Buffalo Bills have been overpowered up front, especially when it comes to being able to stop the run. They haven't really been able to do that. And a lot of Buffalo Bills fans are telling me that I have to give them more time. Listen, at this point in the NFL season, you don't have any more time to try to figure things out. The Buffalo Bills are basically at the meat and potatoes of their schedule. Do you know who the Buffalo Bills have up next? They have to play the Chargers, the 49ers, the Steelers. I mean, you don't have an easy schedule coming up next. So Buffalo... Their season basically starts right now. And if Buffalo can't get this thing figured out against the New England Patriots, man, they are going to be in danger of losing this division if the Patriots are able to win this game. And don't sleep on the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, as of right now, are currently 3-3. Three and three. And for the Patriots, if you lose this game, you're going to end up on, uh, what, a four-game losing streak? I've never, in all my years watching the Patriots play, ever heard of them losing four straight games in a row. And it's not going to look pretty. So the Patriots, their playoffs basically starts now. And for the Buffalo Bills, you need to get things figured out really quick because your schedule is now starting to heat up. For Buffalo Bills fans who are saying that, oh, you got to be patient, you got to give us more time. Like, this is not the point of the season when you should be experimenting, trying to figure out what's wrong. Like, you should be peaking right now. The Buffalo Bills have the toughest November schedule out of any team in the NFL. The next couple of teams they face are going to be playoff teams. And I know that you face the Chargers, but even then, the Chargers are a team that could surprise a lot people and make a run in the playoffs as well when you look at how Justin Herbert has played can the Patriots can they get back through to their old ways I mean they're turning the football over and they can't convert on third down they were one and six on third down against the San Francisco 49ers and last week man the Patriots got dominated up front by the 49ers that's the only way you can say it I've never seen a Bill Belichick team get dominated that badly up front than I did last week against the 49ers and that was pretty much his um, worst victory that he's ever suffered in all his years coaching. So for the Patriots, you have to get back to playing your style of football, running the football, something they haven't really had all that much success doing the last couple of weeks. And Cam Newton has to stop turning the football over. Cam Newton can play a lot better than how he's performed so far over the last couple of weeks. And I understand that the start of the season out of the Patriots schedule wasn't all that tough. But, I mean, Cam Newton is way comp, way better than playing at the level he's playing right now. Really disappointed in how Cam Newton has performed. And for the Buffalo Bills, can you get your spark back on the offense? Because, like I said, in their last three games combined, they're averaging 17 points per game. They haven't scored more than 20 points in their last couple of matchups. So, Buffalo has to try to get things figured out offensively. And that's going to be easier said than done. Because although the Patriots have struggled offensively, their defense has been really well. 
As a matter of fact, I think their defense has played better than how they did last season. That's with a lot of young players filling in for a lot of guys who start the season out opting out. So for the Patriots, their defense is going to have to force some turnovers. And you're going to be able to do so because Josh Allen, although this wide receiver position is improved and Josh Allen has improved from where he was last season, I still believe that this is a Patriots secondary that can force some turnovers. And they were able to force turnovers last week against the 49ers. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo had two interceptions. They also forced some turnovers the week before against Denver. So the only reason the Patriots are losing are because they really can't get anything going on offense. So the Patriots can semi find a way to get something going on offense. They have a really good shot at winning this game. And I like the Patriots to have a really good day running the football on this Buffalo Bills defensive line, which pretty much has not been good. It's been pretty vanilla. It's been pretty soft. And that's just me being nice. The team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to take the New England Patriots to pull off the upset and get the win here. The Buffalo Bills are three and a half point favorite. I'm going to take the Patriots with the under. I think the Patriots end up winning this game. 19 to 13 is my final score prediction. I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring affair. I don't really expect to see a lot of offense, but I think the Patriots defense is going to be able to prevail. And the Buffalo Bills haven't really had a lot of success over the last couple of weeks of being able to stop the run. Their defensive line has not played well. And that's why I'm going to take the Patriots. I just can't see the Patriots losing four straight games in a row. I think that this Patriots team is going to be able to find out where they're going wrong. They're going to be able to correct their mistakes. And they should be able to win this game. And the Patriots are losing games because they're just beating themselves. So the Patriots can't run the football against the Buffalo Bills, which the Buffalo Bills defensive line and this Buffalo Bills defense has really been great stopping the run over the last couple of weeks. If the Patriots can control time possession and not turn the football over, they should be able to win this game because this defense alone is going to have turnovers in this game. So Buffalo should at least turn the football over at least once or twice in this game. If New England can capitalize, that's also going to increase their chances of winning as well. So give me the Patriots with the upset 19-13 is my final score. I'm taking the Patriots.